Hi, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. This week's episode lines up perfectly with Neurodiversity Celebration Week. If you are on social media, I'd recommend you give hashtag Neurodiversity Celebration Week a scroll and you consider checking out NeurodiversityWeek.com. This episode's very special guest is Caroline Keel, who is the founder and host of the award-winning podcast, The Beyond Six Seconds Podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about that podcast. First impressions can take only six seconds to make, but if you're neurodivergent, those quick judgments about you can be misleading. That's where the Beyond Six Seconds podcast comes in. You can join Carolyn Keel, the host, as she talks with neurodivergent entrepreneurs, creators, advocates, and more about their lives and identities. Their stories shatter misconceptions, break stigma, and showcase the vibrance of neurodiversity. You'll be able to learn all about this show in this episode and by heading over to the show notes. Before we get into that conversation with Carolyn Keel, I do have a little bit of news to share. If you are a CIS school, that's Council of International Schools, there is still time for you to sign up for the March 27th to 28th amazing opportunity to learn via their inclusion, via diversity, equity, and anti-racism deep dive workshop We'll begin this workshop by exploring how cultivating belonging for LGBTQ plus individuals is a cornerstone for safeguarding human rights, global citizenship, and inclusion through diversity, equity, and anti-racism. If you are a school leader, fellow school leaders need you to step up and let them know that you are doing this critical learning. I am so proud to be a part of the workshop Uh, panel. So you can join me again. That's March 27th to 28th. If you're a CIS school educator, let your school leader know you're interested in attending and ask them to join you. Again, information about registration is over there in the show notes and you still have time to sign up. So please do. Caroline, our guest, has also asked me to remind you listeners that, of course, April is just around the corner. And if you didn't know, April is Autism Acceptance Month. And the Beyond Six Seconds podcast will have new episodes every Monday that spotlight autistic advocates. Through their personal stories, they will explore topics such as the intersectionality between autism, race, and religion, inclusive education for students who have communication disabilities, and finding fulfilling careers and supportive communities. Again, if you are not yet following the Beyond Six Seconds podcast, I think today's conversation with Caroline Keel will inspire you to do just that. Please welcome to the show, Carolyn Keel. Uh, it's such an honor to be speaking with you. Your podcast is sort of just, you know, deservedly so been recognized for the incredible work that it's done. So it's a great honor to be chatting with you. And I'd love to start our conversation by exploring um, episodes that you've produced that look at representation in the media, 
And listeners, as I'm listing these, please know that I will also highlight them in the show notes if you want to get to them directly. So episode 172 on Tourette syndrome representation or episode 175 on disability representation. Your show is now five years old. Congratulations in the world of podcasting. Um, that's a significant feat. I read somewhere that the average podcast doesn't make it past five episodes. So five years is triumphant. Um, I'm wondering in those years, how your understanding of the importance of media representation has shifted or maybe evolved through those conversations that you've had. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about these topics on your show. I appreciate it. And um, I'm really interested to get into these topics. I have to say that in terms of media representation, and I guess just to be specific for this answer, I'll talk about media representation of disability. Starting out, I honestly, I don't think I really thought about it much or thought about it very critically. Like, I don't think I thought it was, you know, notable or a big deal, for example, for a non-disabled actor to portray a disabled character on screen. Because like, you know, if they're they're a top build actor and they're really talented, then, you know, why not? It's acting. So I think I never really thought that was kind of my opinion at the time. And I think that's how a lot of people tend to think about it. Um, I know throughout my life, I know I've watched portrayals of disability sort of un uncritically in media. Um, I never really thought about things like stereotypes of disability in media, like I guess they call the media tropes, like mm -hmm. stereotypical personas. And you know, potentially the harm they could do, honestly. And I think the very first time I discussed disability representation in media in depth on my show was actually before I wound up refocusing it to focus on neurodiversity. It was it was actually episode 124. And I can I can give you that link too. That's an interesting one. Uh, with a young high school student who's also a filmmaker. Her name is Julia Ward. And she has a, one of her brothers has multiple disabilities and she was i guess inspired or compelled to create a film focusing on disability after a friend of hers made kind of a, a an insulting comment to her about her brother in public so she felt that you know if there were more if people saw disability on screen or just out in public more they would understand it better it would just not be something unusual for them so she wound up reaching out to some well-known disabled actors and a director who had directed disabled actors and made this great film while she was in lockdown during pandemic. So we talked about that. And that was the first time I started thinking about it. But again, I was interviewing a non-disabled person on my show who was talking about people with disabilities. So when I shifted my show's focus to neurodiversity, I decided I really only wanted to interview other people who were either neurodivergent or disabled, because I feel like, and you kind of see it in media, a lot of times um, neurodivergent and disabled people get talked about, but don't necessarily get talked with, like people talk about them, but we don't necessarily get to hear their stories directly from them. And that can be problematic because if you're the outsider, you're kind of looking in on people, you, you might be talking about how they look to you or, or behaviors, but you never really get the inner experience of, of what it's really like. So that's what I wanted to pursue on my podcasts. So then episode 172 about Tourette syndrome representation in media was with a filmmaker who 
has Tourette syndrome and he he had already made like 10 films. That's that's what he does. And he made this short film. It's about 20 minutes long and it's especially free to watch. So if you go to the link, you'll be able to see it for free if you want to see it. It's called Tourette's and I, and it's based on his own lived experience with Tourette's. It's somewhat autobiographical in that way. And I realized that until I saw that film, I don't think I'd ever seen an authentic portrayal of Tourette's on screen. Like it, it's honestly, it's always portrayed. As, and that's something that my other guests with Tourette's have talked about is that the only time that they've seen it represented in the media, it's, it's a joke or something outrageous or it's played for laughs. And that, you know, if you think about it, if you have Tourette's, like how, how does seeing that image impact you, your impact, your self image, how does it impact how others see you, how others treat you? Um, and, and how does it impact if you don't have Tourette's that understanding of what it really is and what people who have Tourette's are like. So that was, you know, it, it's it's a great film. It's 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 a heart wrenching film, but it is authentic. And he did manage to include other people with Tourette's sharing their experiences at the end. So it was something that I thought was great for representation. And I hope that there are more films about Tourette's like that because we just need, I think, we need more representation of that as well. And then episode one twenty five with Jeremy Andrew Davis, who is a media consultant, a filmmaker. He's multiply disabled, um, neurodivergent. That's how he describes himself. And he that that's a really interesting episode. So for a living, he can he's a filmmaker, but he also consults with other film companies to help them have authentic disability representation. And he took me through like a nine-step process he uses to help ensure that his films and the films that he consults on have good representation. So I won't go through all nine steps. Um, he, he, de he details it very well in the episode. But one example is that um, a lot of times big, big pictures or big movies will like hire a consultant from like, you know, if it's a movie about disability, they'll hire like one disabled consultant. Or if it's a movie about autism, they'll, they'll get an autistic consultant to come in and be like their advisor, um, which is better than nothing. But the challenge, he says, is that if you've only got one person there representing, no one else representing in like the writer's room with the producers, um, with the actors, that person doesn't have like a lot of veto power. So if someone says like, you're not, if they say you're not doing this in an authentic way, they can very easily just be ignored or overridden by that. So one of his steps is to make sure that there's representation um, if you're talking about a particular disability or, or neurotype or, or any kind of representation in the film, that there are people in multiple parts of the movie. So production, writers, actors, consultants, um, just so it's not just literally one person trying to share, you know, share their input against everybody else who may or may not listen to them. And um, and then eventually, the the ultimate thing is to be able to show people with who have disabilities in roles that have nothing to do with the disability. It's they're just like living their lives. They have their own, you know, story arc, or they're doing their thing, and it maybe has they just happen to have a disability, and it's not really like a central part of the story. So um, I don't know if we're there yet, but that's like kind of the next step there. So these were all things again I I didn't think about very much until I started the podcast and started talking to people who had these experiences and really understanding what they thought about it. Yeah, it's a conversation that I think has been overdue. And, uh, you know, again, I think 
your show does such a good job of making sure that that conversation is getting literally the airtime that it needs. So those episodes, I will be sure to link to all of them in the show notes so that listeners can check those out. And, you know, for the audience of this show working in K-12 education, I think it's a really interesting activity. And this works really well, I find, with advertisements, you know, looking at that representation piece and saying, what do you think were some of the questions that either were discussed, what might have been some of the debates that that creative team had, the creative choices that they were making? What do you think they should have talked a little bit longer about? So um, it's interesting to see that consultant role with film, with, you know, TV, and I think that's a that's a great kind of group conversation provocation, especially, you know, you were mentioning a, a sort of TV shows decades past. And I find it's great to do like a commercial comparison because you don't always have time in the classroom to watch, you know, two back to back feature films. Um, but even looking at what were some of the Super Bowl ads in the 90s compared to recent years and just looking at what might that corporate board have been striving for that they they weren't doing um, back then. So, uh, you know, again, I, I find as a podcaster, sometimes it's different audiences that evoke a response that I wasn't anticipating. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, you have built such an amazing legacy with Beyond Six Seconds. Has there been a specific season or a specific episode that rep that resonated with your listeners in a way that um it kind of maybe took you by surprise or you didn't anticipate that um it would it would have the response that it did yeah i mean i don't know if i'd say this would this surprised me it had the reaction that i had hoped it would but i don't know that i i wasn't counting on it i was i was hopeful that it would really um change people's thinking ser seriously, honestly. So the episode that I'm thinking about in response to your question is an interview that I did um, in 2022 with Noah Seaback. It's episode 155. And Noah is a non-speaking autistic self-advocate. Um, and he also has apraxia, which is it's like a, a mo like gross motor coordination disability. But and you know a, a, cer a, a certain percentage of autistic people also have apraxia and the best way to describe apraxia is like a brain body disconnect so your your brain knows what it wants to do but it's like your body just kind of does whatever you don't really have like a lot of control over your movements um and noah learned to communicate like as a, a teenager so he spent many many years having no way to communicate um and people just judging him by his what was considered behavior his lack of you know motor control and being able to control his own body and interpreted him as one being like one a behavior problem and two just un completely unintelligent because he couldn't communicate in a way that people could understand him or he didn't have a reliable means of communication so he learned how to spell using a letter board when he was a teenager which is literally like a board with the alphabet on it and he trained, you know, very painstakingly to learn how to point to the letters to spell out the words that were in his head. And that's actually how we conducted the interview. I did, I sent him the questions ahead of time. He spent time separately to spell out his answers. And then he was joined on the show by 
his parents, which helped read, he was reading out the answers. And he also spelled some questions live that I asked him kind of impromptu, which was really cool. And for me, I knew I wanted to have representation on my show from non-speaking autistic people because they're one of the many um, populations of neurodivergent people and even autistic people who a lot of times don't get included in the conversation. Um, you know, like there's a lot of autistic people like me out there talking, there's, um, you know, writing and, and podcasting and presenting, but a lot of times um, the non-speaking autistic people have a lot to say and, uh, and we don't get to hear from them quite as often. So I wanted to make sure that I had that representation on the show. And, um, and I have to say that one really challenged my preconceived notions about people with apraxia and people with communication disabilities. Um, you know, just because someone can't speak or doesn't speak doesn't mean that they can't understand you or that they don't actually have a lot to say. So we talk about that quite a lot in the episode. And the audience response to that was really strong. You know, I got comments from people saying that they were never going to make judgments about people who couldn't speak again. Like they realized that, you know, just making that connection. It it seems so simple saying it is like just because, you know, you it's like don't judge a book by its cover. Like how early in life do we learn that? But, you know, applying it in this case is just so powerful. And that was a lot of the response that I got from people that it was really moving because you know, not just because Noah's, you know, non-speaking, but he's also very charismatic and he's very, he's very chatty. So he's funny. Like it was actually a fantastic interview. And um, I'm just glad that we had the technology and that Noah was able to find that um, reliable means of communication so we could talk to each other because he's actually quite charming and witty and funny. And um, he also helps other non-speaking autistic people. He has like a, like a, a mentoring business that he works with them to help them feel less alone and, and just connect. That's a, a really good community there. So, um, and that, that episode was one that won um, a couple of awards, which is really nice uh, to get that um, kind of external check that yes, this is something that's really moving and important to help move this conversation forward. So um, it wound up winning a, a silver signal award, which is a, a new podcasting award. And then, um, an award from the W3 Awards, which is like a media award. Well. Um, yeah, I, I was happy about the response to that one. I was hoping it would um, capture a lot of people's hearts and minds and and change the way that they think. And uh, I believe it achieved that. Well, I mean, congratulations on that again. And it has been wonderful to watch your show receive both like that, you know, the, the critical praise from sort of like the, you know, the podcasting um I don't know, the podcasting overlords is not yeah. probably how they want to be referred to. But um, and also just to see, you know, your, your your community, your fans kind of responding for folks who follow you on social media. And I'm, I guess I'm wondering, too, with the praise as the show builds, as your audience has grown, I'm guessing, too, there's a sense of responsibility that you probably feel with that platform that's developing. And in a somewhat recent episode, um, 142, you go on to share more about your personal journey. Um, and, you know, of course, that's a very powerful episode. And no doubt your show has helped thousands, tens of thousands. I have no idea. Um, you know, so many people learn more about neurodiversity. Your show is also, to use Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw's term, it's incredibly intersectional. And I'm wondering, 
you know, podcasters are also storytellers. So I kind of use those terms interchangeably. What else do you think your listeners are learning about really just from the the stance of the art and craft of the work you're doing as a podcaster slash storyteller? Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of realized the power of storytelling pretty early in my podcasting journey, even before I started focusing on neurodiversity and you know, storytelling, it's like one of our oldest forms of communication and connection as, as humans. I think it predates written language. And I knew that storytelling holds my attention in a way that a lot of other types of media really don't. So I know when I'm kind of, you know, going about my day and distracted and got a lot of things on my mind that if someone's telling a good story, like I'll stop and listen, it'll kind of hold my attention. So I figured that's how I wanted to focus my podcast is have that that storytelling type of structure to it. And in addition, podcasting as an audio only medium uh, tends to feel kind of intimate for the listener. And by that, I mean either, you know, you feel like the host is talking directly just to you, or you feel like you're the only one listening in on a conversation. So as the host or a guest, a lot of times we're, we're literally in the listener's ear if we're, you're listening on earbuds or something like that a lot of times. And, um, I feel like storytelling is is educational and enlightening in a very unique way. Like, for example, um, I could say on a podcast something like, you know, if you see a child misbehaving or causing a scene in school or in public, like, don't be so quick to judge them or their parents because you never know what they're dealing with that you can't see. And and that statement might have an impact on you. I mean, I, I read it a lot on social media and people, you know, it's it's something I've heard people share a lot. And people go like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know how much it, it sticks from there. It's like, oh, yeah, I should do that. Um, but or you might just dismiss it and be like, oh, but yeah, maybe, maybe. But that eh, kid's just a brat or that's just bad parenting, clearly, and, and on and on. So it may or may not stick with people. But if I'm talking with someone who has a story who was that child, and I've had a couple examples of that. I mean, Noah's one of them. Um, and I've talked to other, um, a lot of my autistic guests as well will have an experience like that. The person who was that child is now a young adult, and they will tell me exactly what's on and the whole story behind it when they were quote unquote misbehaving or they were seen as a behavior problem. And they'll tell me how they were misjudged and isolated and sometimes mistreated by people who either didn't understand them or were unwilling to even try to understand them. And hearing those stories, like, they'll really change you. I mean, they, they change the way that I think about things. It's, it's, you know, sometimes hard to listen to when you realize back like, oh, that person who everyone was judging and just, you know, what one of the guests I had said, like, I was just the bad kid in school. And he's like, I, he's like, but I, I tried so hard. Like I wasn't a bully. I just really couldn't control my body. And I don't, and a lot of times when you're a kid, you don't know what's going on either. But um, as an adult, now he can look back and understand what was going on. But at the time, it's just really, it's like, wow, that's just a perspective, again, that I would never get if I had if I never spoke to people who personally went through it themselves, instead of just speaking to people who were looking at people from the outside and saying like, oh, this is what I think is going on with him or her or them. And um, 
Yeah. So those, I, I think in that way, story is really powerful and hearing people's stories of their own lived experiences. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they've really moved me and I can only hope that my listeners have a similar experience as I do when I'm listening to these stories. Well, I know I likely speak for so many, so many of the listeners of your of your show that absolutely it's moving. And I also sometimes wonder, you know, in this era, you know, people talk a lot about like our decreasing attention spans. And I think there is something I, I love that you use that word intimate. There is something that's very intimate about it's 30 minutes. It's, you know, an hour of I'm just sitting and listening to the story, to this conversation. And I I just really appreciate that your show has gone in so many different directions, the array of guests you have had. Um, you know, I refrain from even, I, I've got the, I'll have the episodes that we talked about in the show notes, of course, the link to your show as well. But I honestly feel like listeners, you could go to the show give it a spin any episode i think is going to be something that is educational isn't even the right word it's you know moving doesn't even encapsulate it it's something more than both of those things combined so you know i'm just it's it's a joy and it's surreal to be talking to you because you've been in my earbuds and it's um it's weird to have this two-way dialogue with you so thank you so much for the work that you have done with that show and i just really look forward to seeing where it goes in its um, sixth or seventh or eighth year. So congratulations again on, on making it to that milestone. And thank you again for sharing with um, listeners on my show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate this opportunity to talk about my podcast. You can learn all about the Beyond Six Seconds podcast by heading over to the show notes. Real quick before you go, if you have been enjoying this podcast and you haven't taken the time to rate and review, I just want to remind you that for independent journalism, we rely so heavily on those ratings and reviews. It would mean a lot to me if you could take the 60 seconds to do just that. I'll see you next Thursday, folks. Enjoy the rest of Neurodiversity Celebration Week.